Welcome to a podcast about wealth and life. We all know that our finances play a big part in how we live our lives. In this podcast, the advisors from Foster and Motley share insights and information about investment and financial planning topics and how they connect to your life. Retirement without fun and a focus could be time spent staring at television or YouTube or the clock. This podcast from Foster and Motley is about wealth and life. So let's talk about life after a career. Dave Foster is one of the founders of Foster and Motley, and he may have pulled back from daily involvement, but he remains active. And as the firm's Rachel Rasmussen shares with us, he has a secret. He is a beekeeper. Rachel? Thanks, Patrice. We are so excited to talk about some non-financial subject today. We're going to keep it interesting and I know nothing about this. So Dave's here to educate us. So Dave, tell us about when did you start beekeeping? I got two hives in April of 2018, thanks to my son's nudging and giving me a book the prior Christmas called like Backyard Beekeeping. And to back up a little bit, we had, my wife and I acquired some property in Kentucky, sort of unimproved farmlands. We actually had a place to keep beehives. So that's how it got started. Got a book, started reading it, went to a free seminar, I think down in Kenton County or somewhere at a library on beginning beekeeping. And yeah, just thought it sounded cool. So So you read a book, you go to a seminar and then you say, well, I'm going to do that. So why did you really decide to take the plunge? You know, I guess I just what I read in the book was cool. And then I really got energized meeting these other beekeepers, many of whom were just starting and just the encouragement. Oh, you can do this. It's not that hard. And okay. You know, what the heck? I'll give it a try. And, and then once I started, I loved it. They're super cool little creatures and there's no end to how they amaze me. So that is really neat. You said you, you started out with two hives, I think. Mm-hmm. Have you grown your operation at all since then? Mm-hmm. I have, you know, right now, as we speak, I hope I have four hives who are making it through the winter. So at the last fall, I had four hives. And the last time I looked just a couple of days ago, it was warm and I saw bees flying in and out of all four. So I've got my fingers crossed that all four made it through the winter. At the peak last year, I think I had seven hives. One swarmed away and two others I combined. But that's the most I've ever had is seven, anywhere between two and seven, I think is high and low. Swarmed away. They just up and left their house, found a new one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really? one of the most amazing things. And I've happened to be standing there at my hives when this has occurred a couple of times where, yeah, it's a natural biological thing where if a hive gets too crowded, bees, like most animals will say, maybe we can increase the species. Half of us will leave and we'll leave the other half here. So that's basically what happens. A swarm, the queen and about 50 to 70% of the worker bees just fly out and they go look for a new home and they leave the other 40 or 50% back and they raise a new queen and they effectively double their population is their hope. Very but, interesting. That I is mean, it's, fascinating. It, it's really to watch them just pour out of the hive and then they start swarming in the air and then they land on a tree and you got this football size, you know, pile of 20 or 30,000 bees clinging to a tree branch. And then they'll stay there for an hour or a day and then they leave and they all just like smoke, start peeling off this branch and they go find a new home that 
these scout bees have already found. So these scout bees go find a tree and they come back and they tell the ball of bees, we're going this way. And they go, it's crazy. I wonder if that's an analogy for the COVID hunkering down. Now we're all (laughs) going to take the swarm elsewhere. Who knows? So what's it like taking care of these bees? What's the work like? What kind of stuff do you do to maintain the hive, if anything? So it can be a lot or a little, or of course, in between. So some people will get hives and just ignore them and say, Hey, these are wild creatures. And I gave them a home and they should be okay. And then other people positively baby them, feeding them sugar water all the time. And I don't know what, but so I, when I'm from say April to October, I'll probably check on the bees once a week, just make sure they're okay. You know, pop open the top, see if the queen is laying eggs and do they have enough stored, enough pollen and enough honey. There are things you do need to do. The biggest one is there's this thing called a varroa mite that has caused uh, uh, hives to collapse and die. And there is treatments for varroa mites. So you have to test to see how many you have in your hive and you always have some, but if you have over a certain level, then you're supposed to treat with some sort of either chemical or something to knock down the varroa population and allow the bees to thrive. So that's, that's probably the biggest deal in terms of maintenance is testing for these mites and treating for them. You know, the other stuff's all kind of fun, checking to see how much honey they're making and pulling honey frames. If you happen to harvest honey and all that kind of stuff, but yeah, it's not a lot. A lot of times I just go up and watch them. I just see what's going on instead of really feel like I'm having to do work. That's a nice form of meditation. Mm-hmm. We'll call you the the bee doctor, making sure they don't have any mites. What happens if the the hives start having some trouble and they do get mites? What do you do? And do you, if they if you start losing bees, what do you what do you do? I've gotten better, and I'm still not good. For four, four, five years into this, let's say, at recognizing when a hive's in trouble, you can just tell there aren't many bees in there. The queen's not laying a lot of eggs. You can just tell. So like last year, I had two hives that I could tell were just weak in August and September. And there are ways you can just combine hives. It's cool. You just pick up the hive that's weak. And by weak, like in this case, both these cases, they didn't have a, a queen anymore. Their, their queen had died or gone and they weren't able to raise another one. And when that happens, they're doomed to failure. If you don't have a laying queen, the bees will all die. You don't have babies coming. So you can just take that hive and you can set it on top of another because the bees normally don't, you know, they go into their hive and their hive alone. They know their queen. And if they try and go into another hive, they will face resistance. The other bees will fight them and kick them out. But if you karate (laughs) like that, (laughs) if if you put a piece of newspaper, just, just like on the other hive, you put a piece of newspaper down and you set the box of bees on top of that over about two or three days, they'll chew through the newspaper and then they'll just figure it out. They'll start living together and um, they're fine. Fascinating. Yeah. That is, that is too cool. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like the bees are getting a benefit from you making sure that they're healthy and they, they have enough food. Is is there any bit of this? That's a bit symbiotic. Are you getting anything? I get the obvious honey, uh, which I love. I do harvest honey when it's a good year. It's not always some of that's a function of the nectar flow down in Kentucky where our farm is and all that kind of stuff, but which last year was great. So I love taking the honey. I love sharing it with people. So that's the most sort of obvious tangible benefit, but I just like 
going up and hanging around the bees. And I will say right from the get-go, I am fully jacketed and veiled up. I'm not one of these people that goes up there in t-shirts and a short and shorts. I've seen that on YouTube. I'm like, those people are nuts. So yeah, I have my veil yeah. on and gloves and usually denim pants, but I'll just go up and see what they're doing. And it's just, it's really a lot of fun. Like right now, maybe not yet, but in a couple of weeks, they'll just be so many bees bringing in pollen. You can look at their back legs and they're just stuffed with yellow and orange pollen, red from some of the red maples. And then you'll see bees doing all sorts of different things. You open up the hive, you see the nurse bees that are just feeding the babies and uh, other bees just doing whatever the queen directs them to do. So it's, yeah, I can just sit there and watch a hive and see what's happening and be totally, uh, totally enjoying myself. Does the apparel prevent the bee stings or do they still somehow find a a way in to get you? No, they can, but the apparel that I wear pretty much does the trick. The only times I've been stung, which has been quite a few, has been like my own fault. I'm walking over to my car and I didn't realize there were a couple of bees that I had made angry following me. And so I took my jacket off and boom, one of them got me on the neck or something. But now I'm, I know, you know, like, you can tell when one's following you and they're not happy. <laughs> so I will it's a sixth sense. Oh, we yes, got the bees. It's I will walk me. a long way before I take off my jacket, but, but they're amazingly calming. Considering I go up there, pop the top of their house, start pulling apart their home, looking at frames of bees and they hardly ever get worked up. It's not like they come out and you start getting stung. They just, okay, what's going on? If I spend say 10 or 15 minutes and it's a cloudy day or maybe cool, then they start getting grumpy, but I can tell the sound changes. They just start more, start flying. There's a different sound. Okay. I'm going to close this hive up and move on. So I have figured that out uh, the hard way. They, they let you know when it's time to move on. <laughs> so the bees get moody. I didn't realize oh, that. Yeah. that... <laughs> just like people. That's so interesting. So I'm sure a lot of our listeners would want to know when is honey time? Because you probably get some calls after this podcast. <laughs> uh, so what happens is, at least down in Kentucky, where we are, the nectar flow is, let's say, early May, middle of June. Everything's blooming like crazy, and they're just pulling in nectar. And then it takes them a while to dehumidify that nectar down to honey. And so I have typically harvested honey in July, anytime between July 4th and July 25th, let's say. So that's, yeah, that's when they can. And then that gives them a chance to rebuild. Actually down where we are, there is stuff they can get nectar from in the goldenrod and some other things that bloom. Clover's kind of always blooming, but middle of summer is when I usually take the honey and I'm very careful to only take about half their honey. And that's the, the, the big kind of tricky thing is you can take honey and they can survive, but they have to have enough to make it from November to March. That's their food. That's what keeps them warm and allows them to raise babies this time of year. I think there have been beekeepers that have learned the hard way that if you take, if you harvest all the honey, the, the, they die over the winter. It's a tricky kind of balance to take some, but not all. So you and the bees, friends in retirement. <laughs> Dave, this has been so much fun hearing about this hobby. I can't wait to do more of these so we can get this life part of our Wealth and Life podcast. Uh, well, we, yeah, 
I hope you can tell I love talking about bees. So it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a good time today. If you want to get in touch with Foster and Motley about anything, you know where to contact for finding the bee expert. But if you need help with your financial life, give us a call at 513-561-6640 or visit us on the web at fosterandmotley.com. For the latest episode of Foster and Motley's podcast about life and wealth, follow us and, of course, share with all the future beekeepers and honey lovers in your life. Thank you for listening to Foster and Motley, a podcast about wealth and life. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information discussed and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Foster and Motley. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions regarding your financial planning and investments. Foster & Motley is not affiliated with any third-party providers. Any mention of a third-party provider does not imply an endorsement of that provider. If you decide to utilize a third-party provider, you do so at your own risk.